The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. My name is Sissy. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. And a special welcome to those of you joining us online. This year, we've been focusing on the theme of going deeper. Going deeper in our discipleship to Jesus by going deeper in the scriptures. And so we began the year in this eight-week series that we called The Story of God, where we looked at the big story of the Bible. And that brought us to our Lenten series. We spent six weeks in the story of us, looking at Israel's story as a mirror for our own story. That in Israel's story, we see these patterns that resulted in their downfall. And quite often, it's the very same patterns that result in our downfall. And then on Easter Sunday, we kicked off the story of life, looking at the person and work of Jesus Christ, the climax of the biblical story. Jesus came to give us eternal life, but he also came to show us what a fully human life looks like. And then last week, we celebrated the birth of the multi-ethnic church on the day of Pentecost. And so this morning, as Jeremiah mentioned, we are kicking off a brand new series, 13 weeks, and we're calling it The Paths to Peace, Exploring Biblical Wisdom. We're going to be looking at three of the wisdom books of the Bible. We'll spend six weeks in the Psalms, three weeks in Proverbs, and four weeks in Ecclesiastics. And together, we will explore what God has to say to us about how we can live well. And so this morning, we kick it off in the Psalms. And the Psalms are songs or poems that served as Israel's prayer book. They expressed the gamut of human emotions from despair to delight to ultimately a deep dependence on God. They're poems of confidence and wisdom, praise and thanksgiving, but they're also poems of lament. And nearly half of the Psalms were written by David, the shepherd boy who became the shepherd king of Israel. And and in this series, we're going to be looking at some of these Psalms of David, some of which he wrote during really pivotal moments in his life, moments of great joy and celebration, but also moments of deep loneliness, loss, and grief. And we will see how David met and experienced God. The the Psalms show us the paths to peace because here we see a God who loves to respond to the questions and prayers of his people. And here we find wisdom to live well. And so we're going to begin by looking at Psalm 23, which is perhaps the most beloved of all Psalms, the most famous chapter in the Bible. Even if you have no faith background, you're likely familiar with this Psalm. It's often Uh, You often hear it at funerals, but it's not a psalm of death. It's a psalm of life. It's a psalm about trusting God in this journey of life. And trust is a hard thing, isn't it? It's hard for me. I think by nature, in my own flesh, I'm just not a very trusting person. Some of that has to do with growing up in the New York, New Jersey area. You spend enough time in New York City, you learn very quickly what it means to be street smart. You learn very quickly that you just can't trust everyone. And I remember my first job out of college. They brought all the offices nationwide to Chicago for this two-week orientation. And we did all sorts of things, but part of that was team-building exercises. 
Things like ropes courses and obstacle courses, tug of war. And one of the activities that we did was a trust fall. Now, I don't know who invented trust falls, but I have some words for them. I especially don't like trust falls with a group of complete strangers. And so we had this group of 10 people. And the goal was for every person on our team to complete the trust fall. And the team that did it the fastest would win. And we weren't really given much direction. We were just told, go make it happen. And so here's kind of, if you've never done a trust fall, this is how it works, at least how it worked for me. You climb up on this uh, ladder, you stand on this platform that's about six or seven feet above the ground with your back to your group, who is now gathered behind you in some sort of formation. You, you have a pole in front of you that you can kind of steady yourself on, but the idea is that you fall backwards into the waiting arms of your team. And so, like I said, we weren't given much direction, we went for it. The first person climbed up on that ladder, stood on that platform. And then he crossed his arms, we counted at three, and he fell gracefully backwards into the arms of our team. And then the next person went up and she got up on that platform and she crossed our arms, we counted at three, and she fell gracefully backwards into our arms. And then there was me. And there was nothing graceful about me. I climbed up on that ladder, I stood on that platform, And my my palms were sweating. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest. I closed my eyes. And in my mind, I fell gracefully backwards. But when I opened my eyes, I was hugging that pole for dear life. (laughs) So we tried it again. And my team cheered me on. They reassured me that I could trust them. But I'm thinking, all right, trust you guys. I don't even know you. What if I fall? What if you don't catch me? Now here's the thing you have to know about me. My desire to win far exceeds my fear of falling and my lack of trust in strangers. So I went for it. I I took a deep breath, I closed my eyes, and I flailing my arms, I fell backwards into the arms of my team. And we did the trust fall. Now, some of you can relate to that. You wouldn't do a trust fall with complete strangers either. Because... Trust is a hard thing. It means taking a risk, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. That got me thinking about how I trust God. Because honestly, sometimes I struggle to trust God. Sometimes I wonder, will God really come through for me? Does he really have the best in mind for me? Can God really be trusted? Because sometimes the promises of God and the reality of my life just don't seem to line up. And so I wonder and I doubt and sometimes I'm not sure. And maybe you've felt that way. Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you're in the middle of some really hard circumstances. A chronic illness that has you feeling hopeless. Grief over the death of someone you love that feels excruciating. A financial situation or or job loss that that has you in despair. Or a broken relationship that, that has you feeling alone and rejected. And maybe you're sitting here, you're watching a line and you're wondering, can God really be trusted? 
does he really have the best in mind for me? This morning, we're going to look at this beautiful poem of David's. And it's not enough that we admire it for its artistic beauty. We must enter into it and experience the truth of this psalm so that we could live with the kind of confidence in God that David has. And here's what David says in Psalm 23. If the Lord is your shepherd, you can trust him with your life. That no matter what circumstances you are facing this morning, if the Lord is your shepherd, you can trust him with your life. And so we're going to walk through this psalm together. And I want to share with you who God is and who we are. And then where he takes us and what he offers us. Who God is, who we are, where he takes us, what he offers us. See where we're going? All right, let's dive in. Psalm 23, verse one. Who God is and who we are. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. When we first meet David in the pages of scripture, he's a young shepherd boy tending his father's flock and God chooses him to serve as the shepherd king of Israel. And as David wrote this psalm, I think he's thinking back to those days where he was tending his father's flock because David had firsthand knowledge of the constant care and protection that a good shepherd provided for his sheep. And so he uses this rich metaphor of God as our shepherd. And if God is our shepherd, well, then that makes us sheep. Now, David could have said that, that the Lord is my king and I am his ambassador. He could have said, the Lord is my commander in chief and I am his mighty warrior. That's not what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd and I am his sheep. And notice he doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Because for David, this isn't about an idea or a theological doctrine. This is about a relationship. And so he uses the most intimate metaphor that he can think of. To describe his relationship with God. A shepherd lives with his sheep. He's with his sheep out in the fields day and night. Sometimes for months at a time. The shepherd is a sheep's protector, leader, guide, and provider. On their own, the sheep would die. They rely on the shepherd for everything. And sheep are helpless animals. And they're also not very bright. And this is how David describes himself. And how he describes us. And we don't like to think of ourselves like that, do we? We're in control. We're in charge. We've got this. And sometimes we act like we're our own shepherds. Or we look to others to shepherd us. And if we're going to flourish in life. Then we have to see that the Lord is our shepherd. And we are his sheep. As the shepherd cares for his sheep. As he's, so God is personally and intimately involved in our lives. He cares for us and he provides for us and we are completely dependent on him. And because the Lord is a shepherd, David says, I lack nothing. I'm perfectly content. I have everything I need. I'm not, uh, I have nothing to be anxious or worried about because my shepherd is taking care of me. The Lord is a good shepherd and a good shepherd will spare no expense, no effort to make sure that his sheep are well fed, protected and cared for. Now in the rest of the psalm, uh, he, he talks about why he lacks nothing. So let's take a look at the three places that God takes us in this journey of life and what he offers us there. 
Now the first place is the spacious place, the green pastures and the quiet waters. And there he offers us provision and guidance. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Sheep are nervous, anxious animals, and they will rarely lie down in green pastures. If they're gonna lie down in green pastures, a few things have to happen. First, they must be free from all fear, free from friction with other sheep, uh, free from the frustration, the irritation of, of flies and pests, and then they have to be full. And like a good shepherd, God makes us lie down in green pastures because he frees us from all of our fears. The fear of failure, rejection, and criticism. Because if the Lord is your shepherd, you know that your identity is in being his sheep. You are accepted and delighted in by God. And so you don't have to look to others for your validation. God cares so intimately for us that he provides for us in the frustrations and irritations of life. The things that pester us and nag at us. And he's with us in the friction of strained or broken relationships. And when we spend time with him in scripture and prayer, hearing from God and talking to God, he feeds us and nourishes us. David is saying that our shepherd is with us and that he provides for all our needs. He leads us beside quiet waters. He refreshes our souls. When sheep are thirsty, they become restless and they go out searching for water. And if they're not led to clean water, they will start drinking from dirty potholes and they'll pick up all sorts of diseases. And isn't this a picture of us? Because deep down inside each one of us, there's this thirst for God. And we try to satisfy it in all sorts of ways. We drink from dirty potholes rather than going to Jesus for his offer of living water. We think, if I just get married, if I just get the promotion, the bigger house, the the corner office, if I just lose the weight, then finally I'll be happy. Finally I'll be content. But it's never enough, is it? Because we were made for so much more. Augustine writes this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless. Unless, until it rests in you. The deepest desire of our heart. The greatest longing of our soul. Is for God and God alone. And nothing and no one else will ever satisfy that. And so the good shepherd leads us beside quiet waters. And he refreshes and restores our souls. In his life, David had experienced defeat and loneliness, betrayal and rejection. He knew what it was like to feel hopeless and in despair. And in the case of sheep, sometimes sheep fall on their back and they can't get up again. It's what the technical term for this is called a cast sheep. I've watched a lot of sheep videos to find this out. Here's how it works. They find themselves lying on their back with their feet in the air and and they begin flailing frantically, thrashing about in frustration. And if the shepherd doesn't find them in time, they can die because predators can attack. Or if the weather is harsh, they may only survive for a few hours. And so the shepherd always has to be alert and diligent in watching over his sheep. And if he notices that one of his sheep is missing, He goes looking for it. And when he finds her, he tenderly rolls her over on her side. And and he lifts her up. And the sheep initially has trouble standing on its own. And so she staggers and she stumbles. But the shepherd 
walks alongside his sheep. And little by little, that sheep begins to regain its equilibrium. The shepherd restores his sheep. And God does that with each one of us as well. We stumble and fall into destructive habits. We find ourselves stuck in damaging patterns. And and then we find ourselves lying on our backs, thrashing about, trying to get back on our feet. And our good shepherd comes after us. He pursues us. He chases after us. And he restores our souls. He guides us along the right paths. He directs us and leads us to the place where our hope is restored, our loneliness is lessened, our our despair dissipates, and the confusion begins to fade. Your good shepherd leads you to the spacious place where he offers you provision and guidance. Let's look at the next place that God takes us. Our good shepherd walks with us through the darkest valleys of life, and there he offers us protection and comfort. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In ancient Palestine, during the late spring and summer months, the rain stops, the rivers dry up, and the grass burns. And so the the shepherd has to drive his flock up to the green pastures of the mountains. And the way to the mountains is through the valley. And this was a dangerous journey because there were enemies and and rough weather to contend with. A sudden storm could appear or they could be caught in a mudslide and the sheep could be lost. And the shepherd also carried a rod or a club to protect his sheep against predators. And notice David doesn't say even if I walk through the darkest valley. He says even though. Because Life inevitably puts us on a path with dark valleys, doesn't it? Or the valley of the shadow of death. And we fear that we're not going to make it or we fear that our lives will be ruined. But even there, the Lord is your shepherd. Even when the right paths lead you into the dark valleys of life, you don't need to be afraid. It doesn't mean that you've fallen off the path that God has for you. Because in every life, the right paths will lead you into the dark valleys. But David says you don't need to fear. Now notice this. In the first three verses, David talks to us about God and God listens. But here it shifts. And David talks directly to God and we listen. Here David's poem becomes a prayer. Because it's in the darkest valleys of life that we become most profoundly aware of our need for a shepherd. God alone can guide you through the darkest valleys. Divorce. Job loss, illness, agony over the death of a loved one, broken relationships. And he is fiercely committed to getting you through that valley for his name's sake. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on me. God is not committed to bringing you through because you are a good sheep. God is committed to bringing you through because you are his sheep. Do you see your shepherd? The good shepherd not only protects us, but he comforts us. The shepherd's staff was this long stick that had a hook on the end that he used to guide his sheep. But sometimes the shepherd would use his staff to just touch his sheep on the side. To remind them that he was there. That they weren't alone. That they were safe and secure in the care and protection of their shepherd. 
the source of our comfort, the reason we do not fear is because we know God is with us. You are with me, David says, and that's all the comfort and confidence he needs. A while back, I walked through a really dark valley in my life. And what was really hard for me is that some of it was due to my own brokenness. And I didn't know what to do with that. I felt lost and alone, full of doubt, full of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of my future. I began to question my calling and purpose. But here's the truth that I clung to. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And God walked me out of that darkest valley and he brought me to the higher green pastures of the mountains. And it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Because he's a good shepherd and he's with me. He protected me and comforted me. He cared for me and guided me so that I could say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing because what I realized in that moment is that even if my worst fears become a reality, even if my worst fears come true, he's with me and he's the treasure. He's the reward. He's the prize. He's my good shepherd. Friends, God doesn't waste anything in our lives. And while none of us wants to be in the valleys, it's in the valley that we experience the presence, power, and peace of God in indescribable ways. It's in the valley that God molds us and shapes us to become the people that he's always intended us to be. The good shepherd walks with us through the darkest valley and there he offers us protection and comfort. There's one more place that God takes us in this journey of life. And that's the lavish table where he offers us celebration and friendship. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Here the metaphor changes and David gives us an even more intimate picture of God. He's not just our shepherd, but he's also a generous host. And you are the honored guest at his table. And he invites you to celebration and friendship. In the ancient world, when a king would return from victory and war, there would be a procession led by the king. And behind the king would come his conquering army. And then would follow the spoils of victory. And finally, would come the enemies who are now captives. And there would be a great feast and celebration of the king's victory. In this culture, to be invited to, to be offered a seat at someone's table was an invitation to friendship and intimacy. And this isn't just any table. It's a well-prepared table filled with culinary delights. It's a lavish, abundant, extravagant feast. And in this culture, the host would anoint his guest's head with oil as a sign of honoring him. And David says, God is the generous host who anoints his head with oil, his cup overflows. And friends, this isn't box wine, this is the really good stuff. (laughs) I'm second generation Indian American. I come from a communal culture where there's a high value on hospitality. And my parents have the gift of hospitality. Some of this is just part of their culture, but some of it is just the way God's wired and gifted them. And if you've been here long enough, you've heard me talk about these epic Sunday lunches in their home. 
And it reminds me of this table that David describes. Because it's filled with the most delicious mouth-watering foods I could ever imagine. Chicken curries and beef curries and vegetables picked fresh from their garden. And it's packed with all sorts of delicacies. And after church, they invite people over. People that are new to their church and quite often new to the country. And they sit around that table for hours. And they eat and they talk and they laugh. And they share their stories, stories of God's goodness in their lives. So that at the end of the meal, they are no longer strangers. They're friends. And at the end of every meal, before the guest leaves their home, my dad will pray a prayer of blessing over that guest. And he says the same thing to every guest that has ever entered their home. You're always welcome here. My home is your home. My family is your family. And God says the very same thing to each one of us. We are God's honored guests. And he invites us to celebration and friendship. We eat of the richest of foods. We drink the best of wine in the presence of our enemies. The enemies of our soul. Fear and despair. Hopelessness and shame and anxiety. These monsters that harass us and haunt us. No longer have power over us they don't stand a chance before the power of God and then David ends with this surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever there will be a day when we will live with God forever but until that day his goodness and love will follow us That word for love in Hebrew is the word chesed. It's the loyal, steadfast love of God. A love that will never let you go. God's goodness and love will pursue you and chase after you all the days of your life. You can't stop it. You can't dodge it. You can't lose it. Whether you are in the valley or you are on the mountaintop, God's love and goodness will chase after you and find you. God invites you to his lavish table. And there he offers you celebration and friendship. God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. He leads you to the spacious place where he offers you provision and guidance. He walks with you through the darkest valley of life. And he offers you protection and comfort. He invites you to his lavish table. And he offers you celebration and friendship. Friends. What would change in your life today if you really believed that God was your shepherd? Anxiety and fear would lose its grip over you. Hopelessness and despair would no longer enslave you. And so many of us are trying to live like we're our own shepherds or we're looking to others to shepherd us. But if God is your shepherd, he provides for you, for your every need. And he leads you and he guides you. What would change in your life today if you lived with an even though kind of faith? Where you could say in the face of the worst circumstances, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though the diagnosis isn't good. Even though the financial situation looks bleak. Even though the grief feels unbearable. Even though I will fear no evil because you're with me. You protect me and you comfort me. What would change in your life today? 
If you saw yourself as the honored friend of God, invited to celebrate the goodness and love of God in your life. We are invited to the table of God. We are given the seat of honor. We are invited into friendship with the God of the universe because of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In order for you and I to be invited to the table of God, Jesus stepped into the valley of the shadow of death. We drink from the overflowing cup of God's blessing because Jesus drank from the cup of God's wrath for us. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and he chases after you. He pursues you with his goodness and love for all the days of your life until he brings you home. Friends, you're not just the honored friend of God. You are the beloved child of God. And you are welcomed home. If the Lord is your shepherd... You can trust him with your life. Before we partake of communion together, I want to just give us a few moments to reflect on our lives, to see if there's anything we need to bring before God, our shepherd, who is the one who can restore our souls. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.